0: Hi, it's Dr. B. Thanks for joining me. Another episode of this podcast called Ask the Dentist. Today is going to be kind of fun, at least for me. I hope it is for you, of course. It's going to kind of bring me back a little bit. It already feels that way. Back to dental school. And one of the very first cool things about dental school, there's a lot of great stuff about dental school, other than all the work and not having a life for four years. Try not to think about that, but it was definitely not a waste of time. But there's a lot of stuff that's thrown at you that is just absolutely fascinating. And one of these things was tooth anatomy. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I'm going to touch on it because today's question is about the pulp or pulpitis, irreversible pulpitis. What does all that mean? Well, I'm going to explain it. The question's very specific. It's prompting me, as usual, to to expand a little bit and educate and to explain this really cool stuff. In dental school, the textbook was called Tooth Anatomy. And uh, I'm turning to my left now, looking at my bookcase there. Uh, I've thrown away most of my textbooks because they're out of date. They're over 35 years old. I've got a few that are left on the shelf, some for sentimental reasons, but very few. So tooth anatomy there there's lots to talk about and this question kind of prompts that. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about what's going on in your teeth and what a tooth is, why it is. I think it's fascinating. It's kind of the core of dentistry. At least that's where you start in dental school. I mean, you're a dentist. Dentist means, you know, tooth treater or fixer of the tooth. Odonto or dent is the Latin for tooth. So it's kind of the core of dentistry. And of course, dentistry is way more than that. But let's talk about teeth today. Here's the question, and, and you'll see where I'm going to go with this. Can reversible pulpitis be treated with the crown? Great question. Interesting question. It sounds like maybe your dentist told you, after having had some tooth pain, that that is a possibility, and it is. There's a lot that a dentist can do to reverse or prevent further pulpitis or to prevent it from reversible pulpitis to irreversible pulpitis. So, what what the heck is all that, right? I'm going to back up and explain all this, and hence my saying earlier that there's a lot to explain here. So, we're going to talk about pulp tissue, what the heck is that, and what is pulpitis. Those are the two things I'm going to focus on, and that's the stuff that happens inside teeth. It's a very different world than the rest of the body, because it all happens within a very defined, closed, rigid space. You know, any other space other than bone marrow, perhaps, that's the only thing I can think of now, is flexible and has tissue around it. And when there is inflammation, it can expand, but not so in the tooth. And that's what makes the tooth so unique. That's also what makes tooth pain so unique. And I'm going to touch on that as well. Okay, so let's first talk about pulp tissue before we talk about a condition of the pulp tissue, pulpitis. So the pulp tissue is, and many people know this, is all the tissue inside of a tooth. Most of us know that a tooth is not, you know, a rigid, dense, you know, stone-like structure, that it is hollow and that it has tissue inside of it. In fact, there are nerves. There are blood vessels, arteries, and veins. And there is what we call mesenchymal tissue or tissue that helps form the tooth and helps repair the tooth inside of each tooth. And I think most of us know this because when we have a toothache, we understand that this is not an inanimate object, that it has vitality. If you haven't had a toothache, then maybe you don't know that and you are very, very fortunate. Toothaches one of the most common sources of pain in the world. I always tell my patients and readers and listeners and family and friends, a toothache probably is one of the major forces in world history. There are a lot of great examples. In fact, someone needs to write a book on how tooth pain has shaped world history, but I'm not going to go into that now. Tooth pain is very mind-altering and can really put you into a bad mood and make you upset and angry. It's quite debilitating, and most of us know that. Okay, let's talk about pulp tissue. So pulp tissue is this tissue. I've kind of inferred that it's blood vessels, it's nervous tissue, and it's tissue or cells that help grow the tooth. So let's go to that right away. Formation of dentin and enamel. We call it the enamel organ or the dental organ. We call this process of the tooth forming and and this these teeth are I don't want to use the word born, but they are created inside the jawbone. If it's a baby tooth, it's happening inside the jawbone of an infant, a one-year-old, two-year-old. And then, of course, as an adult, you can be a 12-year-old and still have wisdom teeth forming inside of your jaw and then erupting. So these, these cells and this tissue create this process called dentinogenesis. In other words, it's the genesis of a tooth. Dentin is one of the main structures by volume of a tooth. Of course, there's some enamel as well. So anyway, these teeth form inside the jawbone. There are odontoblasts, these cells, the differentiated cells that, that are inside this tissue that wall themselves off, create the shell outside of them. Odonoblasts are very similar to osteoplasts. Uh, you've heard of that term before, that those are the cells that repair bone after a breakage of a, of a bone, or they actually create the bones and, and other calcified tissues in the body. So, so, very similar. It's fair to say that you could compare teeth and bones. Teeth are a little bit more unique. They have a, this unique hard hard shell on the outside called enamel. And also they poke outside of the body. Bones don't do that. So, And there's a whole mechanism called biological width and the periodontium and periodontal fibers and gum tissue that allow that to happen and work well in the body. Although it is one of the weak spots in the body, vulnerable to infection and inflammation. And that's a different, that's a another, that's another podcast right there, another episode. So the dentin that is formed initially to create the tooth is called primary dentin. This is laid down during the period of the tooth formation, and it ends up when it ceases when the root development is complete. In other words, the, the tooth is fully formed, and it's usually the roots, not the crown. The crown is the part that sticks up above the gum, eventually. The part that we see, the crown of the tooth, it's the roots that are la- develop last, and and that's sometimes a problem because they can not develop for quite a while. In other words, before before it's time to have a root canal done. In other words, you may need a root canal, but it's hard to do that root canal because the tips that root formation is not done yet. That's just a, a little note on the side; you can ignore that, but it is a problem sometimes. So, for example, you could have a premolar that's the tooth in front of the molar form this is the adult tooth and you know they start coming out maybe age 8 or 9 or 10 and uh, as sometimes as late as 11 or 12 and when you see the tooth come in you're the parent or you're the teenager and you see it the tooth is not fully formed yet it it's still the root is still developing and it has not closed off it's not fully mature and that's going on while you're seeing the tooth erupt and the tooth may be fully erupted and still not have a mature root structure so it's it's a it's a long process these teeth don't just pop out, they don't just exist. They are growing as the fetus and as the infant is growing. So so the dentinogenesis, the formation of based on by the odontoblast, special cells that create teeth. It's it's very differentiated, very specific. We are highly evolved, most of the time, highly evolved mammals. The good news or good news uh for us in terms of damage to the tooth is that dentin can, once the tooth is fully formed, dentin production can continue. So this is another aspect of the pulp tissue. It's, it's the repair component of it. Pulp is capable of initiating the formation of dentin at specific times after the tooth Is fully formed. So we call this secondary dentin. There are other dentins. There's a tertiary dentin. I'm not going to get into that, but the good news is that based on external forces like grinding, cavities, a blow to the tooth, um, not necessarily a fracture. Fracture is hard to fix, but the tooth can fix itself. It lays down in primary and permanent teeth. It lays down more dentin pretty much through your whole life. Unless you've been very hard on your teeth, And the teeth can actually become non-vital and lose this tissue or that ability to repair itself. So again, this reparative dentin forms in response to acute, very quickly growing or chronic, very slow growing cavities. Um, It can respond to thermal differences. Uh, These are all external things and functional trauma outside of the tooth and also mechanical causes like grinding, sleep bruxism or clenching your teeth. Also, idiopathic insults. In other words, a dentist is too aggressive. He's drilling, he or she is drilling too fast and creating too much heat with the, the drill bit, you know, the the burr, or has gone too far. Or yeah, I mean there, there are many things that can harm the tooth, and these things will stimulate the tooth to deposit more dentin. Does it always work? No. But it's pretty cool that that can happen. And again, the analogy to bone: if when you break a bone, the bone fixes itself pretty well as long as it's set and immobilized. So, and then there is an aging process with uh, this whole repair process, and it, it's less likely to happen in the elderly. And the pulp chamber—that space inside the tooth with the, the blood vessels and the, the nerves and the, all this tissue. The odontoblast uh, does get smaller over time, especially if you're hard on your teeth. If you're grinding a lot, you're going to get little pulp stones. There are little things called pulp horns, little things that you can identify on x-rays that shrink away as the tooth internally calcifies. And it can calcify internally to the point where it closes off all that space and it slowly becomes non-vital. In other words, there's no more living tissue in there. Another specific thing that you need to know about about pulp tissue, is that it provides this tissue, this pulp tissue provides nutrition. It has a blood supply, and that's how the nutrients and ingredients needed for the building of the tooth and maintenance of the tooth are carried inside the tooth. There are lymph vessels found in pulp tissue, incredibly so. So the immune system is active inside of the tooth. And all these blood vessels come through, they're the very tip. Of the of the root, absolutely amazing. But yes, and then the last function or or specific of pulp tissue that I think is interesting is that it is responsible for giving you sensation. Why would you need to feel your teeth? Lots to talk about there. I'm just going to touch on it. But the nerve tissue that is found in pulp is responsible for relaying sensations to your brain. Is that a cold food? Is it a hot food? A pain certainly. Is that a good thing? Well, yeah. I mean, pain tells us that something is wrong. It's not always convenient. Also, masticatory sensations, the act of chewing, although a lot of that comes from pressure on the teeth through the periodontal fibers. Those are, That's the outside of the tooth, how the tooth is embedded in the jawbone. But there are sensations from chewing. And here's one thing that you may never have heard of, and, and I can't prove it, but I do believe this to be true just based on treating a lot of young and, and the elderly and people without teeth and with teeth. And I think teeth have something to do with balance. Uh, I think there are little accelerometers in teeth and they do, it's kind of a, a nicely laid out kind of XY axis of Of sensation. And uh, I do think that what I've noticed is that with the elderly and the edentulous people without teeth is that they tend to lose their balance uh, a lot more readily. So again, there is no evidence of that. Uh, It's the inner ear that is mostly responsible for that. And then there is this whole theory of reflexology where each tooth is wired to an organ. And I'm not going to get into that. Real quickly, though, I am not a firm believer in that. I need more data, and that's just the way I am. I need way more data to believe that to be true. Anyway, so that's just kind of a quick overview of the pulp, and I wanted to talk about that because we're going to answer her question, the the listener's question, about can a crown be a solution or fix Reversible pulpitis. And and that's the next thing I'm going to talk about are what is reversible pulpitis and what is irreversible pulpitis. So I hope this is not getting too tedious or complicated, but this affects everyone. At some point in time, everyone will have an episode of reversible or irreversible pulpitis. That is just it's like getting a cut. It's like getting a wound or an injury. There is inflammation and there will be pain associated with that. So I, I hope that last sentence kind of keeps everyone motivated to continue listening. All right. So, we we had a chat or a discussion about what is the pulp, the pulp chamber, the pulp tissue inside of a tooth. And that's important for what we're going to talk about now. And that is pulpitis, which obviously, for most of us, itis meaning swelling. So, this tissue can swell just like any other Tissue in the body. When you get a cut or a wound or there's an infection, you know, there are many other reasons, of course, for inflammation. Just like any other tissue in the body, the pulp tissue will swell. Okay, that sounds reasonable, right? Except that this swelling, this inflammation, the tissue expanding, it has nowhere to go. It's occurring in a closed space, a very small closed space. And since there is this vascular pressure or blood flowing into and outside of the tooth that blood flow will be pinched off if you want to say it that way it will be pushed back in other words the blood flow will not be able to get in there and of course if you lose the blood flow you're losing the nutrients to this tissue and the tissue will die this is called necrosis of the pulp or death of the pulp tissue how do dentists refer to this uh and I'm going to talk a little bit about how we know which state the pulp is in, just a little bit. But we refer to this as reversible pulpitis. In other words, it can repair itself. It can go back to its normal state and the inflammation can go away without damaging the tissue inside the tooth, the pulp tissue. And then there's a state of irreversible pulp damage or or a state of irreversible pulpitis. And that essentially means that it's heading that way, that there's no recovery possible, or that you're already there. In other words, the tooth has died. The tissue is dead. It has no more blood flow to it, and it is necrosing or has necrosed, and which leads to abscesses and more pain, more referred pain, less localized. It goes from being a toothache to something a lot bigger, and it can even cause systemic issues throughout the body. So, Big deal, right? I mean, that's something we don't ever want to experience. Uh, Tooth pain is very debilitating. I'll just say it now if you have a toothache, because of what I've just said, go get it addressed right away because you don't want it to go from a reversible state of pulpitis to an irreversible state, based on what I just said, obviously, right? It's going to be more expensive. It's going to be more painful. It could take you down in so many different ways. Back in the 15, 16, actually, the early 1700s when we had a good medical history, we know that a lot of people died because we didn't have a good dentist back then. A lot of people died from tooth infections, from this irreversible pulpitis. So, of course, we have a better chance of surviving that today, thank goodness, due to modern dentistry. But again, it's it's something that we should not look at lightly. So, if you have a toothache, address it right away. Go see your dentist and there's less chance of it becoming irreversibly damaged. So back to the question, the question that she asks is, can a crown help my reversible pulpitis? Well, the first thing is that yes, it can because you are in that state of being able to reverse the pulpitis. If in fact, the insult or injury in this case that caused that pulpitis, and it hasn't been there that long, maybe a few days, sometimes it can go on for a few weeks, depends on how severe that is before it switches over to irreversible pulpitis. If it's a fracture or a splaying cusp, in other words, the teeth can crack a little bit on the outer edges and bend out a little bit, then in that case, the crown will prevent that from happening. Every time you chew on something, that splaying won't occur or the fracture will be immobilized. It's almost like reinforcing an old brick building, earthquake proofing it so that when there's a slight tremor or movement, the building's not going to fall. It's going to be rigidly supported by the the earthquake bracing or reinforcement procedure. So, so, yeah, in this case, if you're still in a state of reversible pulpitis, get the crown on there so that you can chew on this tooth again, and hopefully the tooth will recover and the pain will go away. Hence, in other words, the inflammation goes away. When the inflammation inside the tooth recedes, the pain will go away and the tooth will be able to live for another for another day, hopefully for the rest of your life. Sometimes though, and again, this is the tricky part, it's difficult to differentiate between irreversible and reversible pulpitis. There's no way of going in there with like a little meter and knowing exactly at what stage the tooth is. And teeth typically take years to die and become necrotic or necrose, that tissue, that that pulp chamber. And so sometimes you may get the crown, everything feels great. And then a year or two later, it may still, it will start hurting again because that tooth, that pulp tissue did die, in fact. And that's unfortunate. But if the dentist thinks that there's a chance to do this, it certainly is worth doing because I've seen most of the time, if it's caught early, if the tooth pain is caught early, uh, and the reversible pulpitis has only been on for a week at most, and it's been managed with uh, anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen. Uh, I'm not recommending ibuprofen. Make sure you check out check that out with your physician and dentist. But the best painkillers for tooth pain are the anti-inflammatory, the NSAIDs, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory type of meds, because that's that's what tooth pain is. It's tissue inside of this rigid structure that's trying to get out. And it's it's really a very unique kind of pain, very debilitating. And it refers a lot to other parts of the face and the head. So, again, if your dentist thinks that there's a chance to do this, it's worth taking because even if it becomes irreversibly damaged, you will still need the crown because that tooth will need a root canal. And if it's a posterior tooth and you do need that root canal because the tooth did die, the pulp tissue... Did die, then you're going to need the crown anyway. And most of the time, the crown can be removed or the root canal can be done through the crown and the crown can be used. You haven't taken a step backwards or spent money or time unnecessarily. So, my again, I'm not there, I can't see it, but I liked your question because it allowed me to talk about pulp, pulpitis, what the chamber is, the pulp chamber and how to address this as as a layperson as a patient and i guess the take home message here is if you have pain you know jump on it right away don't let it sit too long like a lot of us do a lot of us think it will go away but address address the pain in other words find out what's causing it sensitive teeth and tooth pain may not be a pulpitis it could be some gum recession it could be drinking a lot of uh, and eating a lot of acidic foods it can be over brushing and those kind of pains don't usually typically go to irreversible pulpitis but but find out because if it is an advancing cavity or a small fracture in the tooth that can be fixed by a filling a plastic filling or by a crown get it done because irreversible pulpitis is not far away so i hope that that question prompted a lot of good information about the pulp chamber. Again, as I mentioned earlier, it's kind of exciting as a dentist to to be kind of the master of this domain. This is our domain as healthcare providers. Uh, physicians call it the little black box. They know nothing about it. We've had some exposure to pre-med, you know, how the heart works, cardiovascular systems and and microbiology and all that and of course we're we're not physicians but when it comes to the tooth it really blows our minds because it is a very unique part of the body and i i hope i have given you enough information to know that it is and that it needs a lot of respect and again take home message here is if you have tooth pain address it quickly because you don't want to go from reversible pulpitis you know all this now right you don't want to switch over from reversible pulpitis to irreversible pulpitis. So, next time you see your dentist and you have some tooth pain, you can impress the heck out of them and say, hey, doc, is this reversible or irreversible pulpitis? I want to nip this in the bud and take care of it. I think they will be duly impressed. That brings to close another episode of Ask the Dentist. Great question. I hope that information about what the pulp is, the tissue inside of a tooth, and what pulpitis is, essentially it's tooth pain. I hope that was informative. And I also hope it makes you appreciate what tooth pain is. Tooth pain is debilitating. It is unique. And I always joke with my patients that I'm going to write a book one day. and, And I've actually collected some data, collated some data, historical data, all the nonfiction reading that I do. I'm a big history buff. There's a lot of information out there that indicates that tooth pain has actually shaped world history. I'm going to leave it there for you. Uh, kind of a little thing to for you to chew on. Sorry. <laughs> because it's true. I mean, think about the last time you had tooth pain or think about someone that you love or a family member, someone you're close to that had tooth pain and look at how it changed their disposition, their ability to function, their ability to think clearly and and it really does change things and there's chronic tooth pain that goes on for years or or weeks and and it it can really wear you down so yes uh, one day that book i will publish it how tooth pain has shaped world history anyway thanks again for i'm not joking i I was serious about that again thanks for listening to another episode of ask the dentist if you have a question uh, I love hearing your questions. Uh, uh, Please go to, uh, head over to SpeakPipe dot com slash ask the dentist this will all be in the show notes in case you missed it don't don 't write all this stuff down and ask your question and I will get to every single question I am running a little bit behind. There are a lot of questions uh, sometimes I will combine them. You may not hear your voice on the podcast, but you will hear your question being asked by someone else, perhaps, and i'm happy to do this. I enjoy doing this, and i my goal here. As being, you know, being a functional dentist is to give you all the information you need to be able to interact with your dentist, whether it's a functional dentist or just a a standard dentist, be able to get and attain and achieve good oral health and not to spend a lot of time and not to go down kind of the wrong road on, you know, tooth pain and what restoration you need, and and what is the actual solution? So I, I hope I'm saving you time and money, and I, I I also hope I'm I'm making this interesting for you. So pulpitis, how interesting can that get? I will let you decide. Anyway, if you need more information, a lot of this I've written about, as well as uh, other professional writers and and other dentists have written about this on our on our blog askthedentist.com. So, go to that and type in pulpitis. Uh, I do believe I have an article. In fact, I'll include it in the show notes on how you can differentiate at home between irreversible and reversible pulpitis. That's kind of good information. Again, my advice though is don't dwell too much on that. If you have a toothache, go in and get treated. Find out What is going on before things get too crazy. Um, And if you're looking for a functional dentist that can have these conversations with you or wants to have, will go out of their way to have this conversation with you and tell you what the root cause is of tooth pain, for example, pulpitis, then go to our directory of functional dentists throughout the world, uh, mostly in the U.S., go to askthedentist.com slash directory. And again, I really appreciate you listening. I enjoy doing this and I really appreciate your attention and also all of your feedback. So I look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. See you soon. Take care. Be safe. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com slash directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.